life uh, finds a way. Life finds a way. That's an iconic line delivered by Jeff Goldblum's character in the movie Jurassic Park. And just like life will always find a way to keep itself going despite seemingly impossible conditions and circumstances, my next guest says the same goes for transit here in Metro Detroit. We have long neglected our transit systems here in Southeast Michigan, to say the least. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know that's a subject we talk about an awful lot of the time. But local transit advocate Dave Gifford has been highlighting some of the ways that public transportation systems have still evolved to keep people moving from point A to point B. He has a new blog post on Medium titled, Transit uh, Finds a Way. And he joins me now to talk about it. Dave Gifford, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me again. So we're going to talk about many of the ways that transit has continued to move forward over the past year in a little bit. But first, what has the pandemic meant for transit here in Metro Detroit over the past year? Give us an overall assessment of the damage that might have been done. Um, the ridership has fallen off dramatically. Um, last March, um, it went down from down to about 35%. Um, so a lot of the transit agencies turned off the fare box. They tried to make things safer for everybody, um, lower the points of contact, rear door boarding only. Everyone had to wear masks. Um, it really highlighted one of the things that um, a lot of transit advocates have thought for years that a lot of transit agencies focus on the nine to five commuter routes and uh, increasing service around those times in the morning and the, and the evenings. But they found that a lot of people ride transit during the day and uh, a lot of people are taking it to get to the doctor, get to the store, to, to go to work. Um, it's not just the, the focus on commuter routes to downtowns and back. And uh, those people were still riding and they suffered the most during the pandemic because um, routes were cut way back. Um, timing was cut back. Ridership allowances were cut back. Buses were only able to hold 10, 20 people at a time, uh, depending on the size of the bus. So a lot of people were getting passed by because the buses were full at capacity and they wouldn't allow any more on. Hmm. So the services that were affected by the pandemic cut back. Are we going to start seeing them return? And will all of them ever be restored to the capacity that they had before this happened? I believe so. Um, you know, the buses are able to ventilate with their windows open and that, that helps uh, with the ventilation and, and reduce the spread. And I believe capacities are, have come back up and services have come back up 80, 90% um, as far as the, the capacity and how, how frequent the buses are. They're still not 100% yet, but I, I believe in time they will. The, uh, the queue line will, has been shut down for over a year now and they're looking to restart in the, the late summer. Um, no word on the people mover yet, but uh, I'm sure that will restart at some point. Um, talk about the impact of this, and this is the thing that we always kind of focus on when we talk about transit here on the on the show. Talk about the effects on on, on vulnerable people, um, and and long term, how we make sure that those effects are not long lasting. In other words, you talked a little about the disruption that uh, some of the vulnerable population here in Southeast Michigan experienced. How do we how do we make sure we fix that? Well, in some ways, um, turning off the fare box was beneficial for them this winter, especially. Um, buses are, are quite warm in the winter. They have good uh, good heating systems. And with, with no fares, people were able to uh, to get around a little easier that may not have the, the money to ride. 
Um, but then that became problematic when you had people that were were trying to stay warm on the bus, but that kept them at capacity. Um, you know, there's arguments for and against keeping, you know, making transit free, since most transit providers don't actually make the majority of their money from the, the fares. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Dave Gifford. He's Macomb County-based uh, transit advocate and founder of Transit Guide Detroit. He's also a board member of Transit Riders United. Uh, we're talking about what's happened to mass transit during the pandemic. If you think back to before all of this happened, we were kind of at a, a, a low point, really, uh, in in the narrative the 40-year-long narrative uh, of of transit here in, in Metro Detroit. We're still really trying to get our acts together and figure out a way to make sure that uh, people can get from one place to another. People can get from where they live to where they work or from where they live to where they go to school or from where they live uh, to entertainment here in, in the metro region. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call. Uh, give us a sense of how you have used uh, public transportation since the pandemic started. What's your experience been like? And uh, are you someone who used transit a lot but stopped during the pandemic? Call and uh, and tell us why. Um, also, are you ready for another ballot proposal to create a transit millage to fund the regional transit authority, something that we have tried a couple times here in Southeast Michigan and never really quite gotten that across the finish line. Uh, what kinds of things would have to be included in a proposal to win your vote? Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET pub, uh, Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, and we'll work you into the conversation. Also, give us a call and let us know if transit completely kind of slipped out of your mind during the pandemic. I think that for a lot of people, this was an issue that might have occupied a more central space uh, in in their thoughts about development and uh, and growth here in the region. Um, but that the pandemic really distracted uh, them from those kinds of discussions and and debates. Uh, give us a sense of whether you're even thinking much about transit right now. Again, 313-577-1019 uh, is, is the number on the phones. Uh, Dave, let's talk about some of the ways that transit has been evolving in recent years despite a real lack of outside investment. First of all, Smart just unveiled what it calls a new on-demand transit service called SmartFlex. On the surface, it looks like Smart's incorporating the Uber or the Lyft kind of model, these these uh, independent transit models that have come up into their larger transit system. Uh, talk about what this does and what it signals for how we might be ready to rethink what transit looks like. There's a lot of people who, are, who say that uh, the way we think about transit is kind of old school in terms of, you know, buses on roads or trains uh, as opposed to smaller scale kinds of quick ways to, to get people from one point to another? Oh, certainly. Um, it, it's definitely not all or one thing. Um, and this has been a, a great new addition to the mix. Um, other transit agencies across the country have been getting into micromobility. And uh, the Smart Flex program is right now in uh, Sterling Heights along the Hall Road Corridor, um, an area in Troy and Dearborn. 
And it's like Uber or Lyft where you, uh, you have an app and you can request a ride. Right now you can only ride within those zones. Um, they do have free rides to vaccinations and uh, they're helping people get around with that. And because it's a public organization, it has to, it's ADA accessible. So you can request a wheelchair accessible vehicle. That's something you can't really do with Uber and Lyft at this point. Um, they're, they're adding vehicles like that in different cities, but not yet in the Detroit area. Um, another thing is price capping. Right now, the prices are capped out at $8 in these services with uh, the SmartFlex. Whereas um, just the other day, someone on Reddit was trying to get to the airport from Troy. And I think the, uh, the quote was like $70 or $80 to ride Lyft to the airport just from Troy. Um, eventually, the hopes are that the service will expand to all opt-in cities. So that will be all of Macomb County, um, the, the big area in Oakland County, and, uh, and Wayne County as well. Yeah. And, and overall, is that a strategy that you think helps sell the idea of funding public transit uh, to younger younger people, I mean, I, I, I think uh, a lot of younger people think more of these kind of models than they think about buses or or, or train routes or, or things like that. I mean, is it a strategy to help us get to a place where we're able to support mass transit on the whole a lot better than we do? I think it's certainly an added component. Um, right now, it's kind of a desert with Uber and Lyft. Um, it used to be, you know, before the pandemic, you could catch one within five, 10 minutes from wherever you were just about. Um, and I've been hearing stories about, you know, people not being able to find it, uh, people visiting Detroit and trying to get from the airport to downtown and not being able to get an Uber or Lyft or it's too really, really expensive. Um, so having, having this service as, you know, an actual transit provider that has employees that are, are um, you know, running this type of service compared to Uber and Lyft, which are right now, I, guess, I think they're banking most of their money on on food delivery, and people are the drivers are concerned. They want to stay safe, and they're they're not um, not running these services as much. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Give us a call. Tell us what you're thinking about mass transit in Southeast Michigan right now. Uh, something we haven't talked about in a pretty long time on our show here because. Really, the distraction of the pandemic uh, has has taken us away from this major public policy issue that absolutely dominated political narratives here for a really long time. Uh, it's time to start thinking again about what post-pandemic we might be doing with mass transit in, uh, in southeast Michigan. Uh, give us a sense of where your mind is uh, on those things. Uh, what would convince you to support, for instance, a new millage to support the Regional Transit Authority, something that we still need to get done. We need to drag that across the finish line here in Southeast Michigan. Uh, what kinds of things would make you uh, favor that as opposed to maybe being lukewarm or even against it? Uh, also give us a sense of what your experience has been during the pandemic using public transit. Has it been uh, encouraging? Uh, has it been disruptive? Uh, give us a sense of what has gone on. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook or uh, or Twitter, put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Adriel in Northwest Detroit. Adriel, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Hi. Uh, good to hear. Uh-huh. Uh, talk to you. And, uh, Dave, it's a it's a pleasure to to uh, hear you on the radio. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm actually I'm the director of marketing and community outreach for Mogo, which is uh, Metro Detroit's bike share system, mm-hmm. uh, and it's an active transportation system. 
And I just wanted to put that in the mix with this conversation. Uh, you know, throughout the pandemic, um, we actually saw ridership increase and uh, people were really turning to it as uh, a safe option um, to get around, you know, to get from point A to point B. Um, and so I, I want to stress that um, micromobility is a component in the mix when we talk about uh, transit systems or transportation systems um, in the region here. Yeah, uh, I, I am really, uh, really interested in that level of transit and the way that that level of transit is changing the conversation about transit. Uh, Adriel, I did not know that ridership went up during the pandemic. I did see uh, some information about, you know, expansion to uh, suburban communities and, and things like that. Uh, Dave, where does this fit into into the conversation? Oh, it's absolutely important. Um, you know, the, the bus system hasn't really expanded in a while. And there's there's areas where there's, you know, what we call transit deserts where people aren't able to to get from one, like get from a, a bus stop to another place um, quickly. So MoGo has actually received a grant, I believe, to investigate how they can integrate their system with the bus system as far as uh, sharing with the regional pass in some way. So that way someone can get off a bus and use their pass to hop on a MoGo bike and take that to the next station and get where they need to go. Um, so the bike share was something we didn't have five years ago when we were discussing the, the RTA plan. And you know, they started in 2017 and recently expanded into Ferndale, Hazel Park, Oak Park, Clawson, Royal Oak. So now and north and north part of Detroit um, along Livernois, Woodward and Seven Mile. So it's not just a downtown thing anymore. It's actually um, pushing out into the suburbs. Mm. So it, it helps people uh, to get where they need to go when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, Adriel, uh, appreciate the call and the perspective from where you sit as part of MoGo here in Southeast Michigan. Let's go to Joan in Southfield. Joan, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. I just have one question. Um, I'm wondering in your your discussions regarding the, the public transportation, um, there is a referral to the, the WE, W-E. Who is the WE and what is the WE? Who, who is the WE you're speaking of? In, 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 as far as the, the Michigan issue, mm-hmm. and who de- determines uh, what services the route is, is determined. But principally, I'd like to know, you, you, you keep referring to we. Who is we? <laughs> well, when I say we, I'm talking about all of us here in southeast Michigan. I think the failure that we've experienced over four, maybe five decades now is on all of us uh, who who've just not been able to collectively get our act together. It doesn't mean that all of us have uh, made the same poor decisions. I think there are a lot of people who have voted for things that made a lot of sense, uh, but we haven't been able to convince the community uh, as a collective to embrace these things. And that's why we have, you know, the, the, the odd patchwork of problems and solutions that we do. I mean, you think of uh, the, the the gaps that exist between DDOT and SMART, the suburban bus system and the city bus system. You think of the lack of rail that uh, that has absolutely plagued us for a really long time in a really sprawling region. Uh, you think of uh, the in- inadequate support for existing systems. I think the we is this community that uh, has failed. But But, Joan, I'm curious... Uh, when I say that word, who do you think of? Who do you think of as we? 
Well, the actual individual who the individuals who are 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 impacted and unable to speak up for themselves and have not been spoken to on an individual basis or collective basis as to their 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 problems with getting transportation. Mm. They have not they, they have not been been spoken with. Yeah. Uh, Joan, I, I actually would disagree. I think uh, there's a lot of effort uh, in the transit advocate community to reach out to folks who have a hard time getting around. And and look, I, I talk to people all the time uh, who have real transit issues here, especially here in the city of Detroit. I mean, people who just cannot get uh, to uh, work, who can't get to shopping, who can't get to school. It's a it's a huge it's a huge issue. Uh, I I don't know that I agree that uh, that voice has been left out. I I will say that I don't know that that voice has been put front and center in the terms of uh, the decision making that uh, that the rest of us have have been doing. I mean I think if all of us went into the voting booth thinking about that population, we probably would make slightly different decisions uh, than we than we do. But Joan, I really appreciate uh, the call and uh, the pre- the provocative question about about who is we. Uh, Dave Gifford, I'll give you a, a chance to respond to, to Joan as well. Well, certainly. Um, that's one of the things that we at Transportation Riders United focused on this past uh, year in the pandemic. We sent some people out to the State Fair Transit Center to uh, interview the bus riders and see how what their impressions were of the service during the uh, the pandemic when when services were cut and when ridership was cut. Um, that doesn't always translate to the city's decisions though. Um, they, they received some money from the, the CARES Act and one of the things they're doing with it is they're hiring more transit police and they turn the fare boxes back on and they, um, that we wouldn't recommend that necessarily. We, we thought they may have turned the transit boxes on a little too early and uh, that they, they should increase the, the capacities and the frequencies if they're gonna to start charging people again. And um, so we wanted to make sure that people were being heard from and we put that on our, our YouTube channel to, to try to get that out. Mm. Okay, we're gonna take another quick break. When we come back, we're gonna continue this conversation about transit with Dave Gifford. And we're gonna to continue to hear from you on the phones and on social media. Adrian in Detroit, Chris in Berkeley, Aaron and Jefferson Chalmers. We will get to you next. If you wanna join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter where we've already got a number of comments and we'll try to work those into the conversation as well. We'll be right back with more Detroit today. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you're joining us today. My guest is Dave Gifford. Uh, He's a Macomb County-based transit advocate, founder of Transit Guide Detroit, and a board member of Transit Riders United. We're talking about where we stand with transit now as we prepare to exit uh, pandemic life and perhaps embrace more mass transit and importantly get back to the discussions and the debates about how to improve transit here in southeast michigan something we've been talking about my entire life i just turned 50 
last November. So that gives you an, a good idea of how long uh, we have been at this with limited success. The question is, what would be successful? Uh, what could we do that would uh, convince enough people in Southeast Michigan to embrace a better public transit system than the one we have? Uh, we want to hear from you as well about what you think could be done to make transit better and what you think could be done to sell more people on the idea of better transit. How do we get more of our neighbors, our friends, our families to vote for support of public transit when it comes up uh, on the ballot? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and put comments there. And we'll try to work you into the program that way. Uh, Big Neo on Twitter says, as far as transit goes in Detroit, it's been poor decisions since the 1930s when the powers that be decided not to have subways or elevated rail. Even now with the Q line that should have been installed on the DeQuinder cut, uh, which goes to 8 Mile and beyond. That's a really interesting uh, idea, uh, Big Neo. I have not heard someone suggest that the Q line run up the old DeQuinder uh, rail line, which was what was there when I was a kid. Uh, there were trains running through there uh, on their way to the riverfront. Um, uh, that that would have been a really interesting way to 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 make that more effective and perhaps run it run it further for cheaper. Uh, but then we would have sacrificed this wonderful green space, of course, that uh, we've built over the last decade. Uh, Michael on Twitter says, one, pay DDOT drivers more. Starting wage should be $20 an hour. We talk about the buses being 24 hours. I was a bartender riding the bus home at 3 a.m., and drivers will talk. And I was shocked hearing that they were get, getting paid $14 an hour. Take that out of the police budget. Uh, number two, he says, fare box dollars are a drop in the bucket for DDOT's budget. If the pandemic proved anything, that the city could have and should have eliminated fares a long time ago. Take the money, again, out of the police budget, make public transit free. That's another really innovative idea. Uh, Michael, I appreciate you offering that. Jimmy on Twitter says, uh, the city needs to prioritize, first, making sure every scheduled bus is on the road, and second, restoring the pre-pandemic service patterns. People need to get around, and DDOT is failing them. Before we go back to the phones, uh, Dave, I'll give you a chance to react to those to those comments from Twitter. Oh, certainly. Um, as far as the, uh, the, the queue line, it, it did a lot of good things for Woodward. Um, it, it rebuilt the whole street for the entire, the entire length of it. And uh, it, there's two thoughts on rail. Rail can either be a, a local service or it can be a commuter service. And it'd be great if we could have both. As far as it being on the, the Quindercut, there is space next to, you know, it had two rail lines on there. So it could actually coexist with people on there. Um, but I, I, I personally enjoy that nice peace and quiet and kind of a refuge from the city down there. Um, <laughs> and uh, as far as the 24-hour the bus service, um, we, there's 12 routes in the city, whereas five, six years ago, there were none. Yeah. And that, that's been a huge thing because people work at all kinds of odd times and have to go to the store. You know, just if I want to go to the store, I can hop in my car and go down the street and, and go. But if someone depends on transit, they're, they're waiting for the next bus, which could be an hour. Yeah. And it's it's not fair that that people have to uh, rely on service that's not not adequate. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked much about the Q line, which has been shut down to passenger travel throughout the pandemic. I assume it will come back. 
at some point. Uh, but even before the pandemic, there were a lot of people who were pointing to it as a failure. I think uh, we're very quick to use that word in this community and quick to, to try to you know load something up with the idea of it failing before it has a chance to establish itself and, and really get going. Things take time. Uh, the People Mover was labeled a failure for a really long time. I think if you look at the way it's used uh, in modern Detroit, uh, it'd be hard to describe it uh, quite that way. But I wonder what you make of the Q line, its limited run, and whether that has added or subtracted to the transit picture here in southeast Michigan. I think one of the, the negatives initially of the Q line was that it was its own its own thing. Um, it, you know, the, they had these nice shiny stops about 100 yards away from the, the bus stops, and they had nice screens and heaters in the wintertime, and the bus, the, the people waiting for the bus were standing next to a sign or in a cold shelter. Um, one of the big things that happened last year was the DART Pass. Um, the DART Pass was a new fare system that included DDOT, SMART, and the Q line. So that way someone could buy a ticket and they had four hours to ride in any on any service, transfer for free in any direction they wanted to for up to four hours for $2. And that was a huge thing that just got underway when the pandemic hit. So I don't think that's had enough chance to really take effect. And I'm really looking forward to um, Lisa Nuskowski from MOGO has um, left her position with MOGO and is now the new president of the M1 Rail. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to the things that they're going to, that she's going to bring to the queue line and, um, and, they they got rid of Transdev, which was the the company they hired to run it. So now they're bringing all the operations internally. So I think they're going to have a lot more flexibility and control. And with the Dart Pass, they're going to have a lot more um, ability to to do a lot of cross mobility promotion. Yeah, yeah. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. You get a lot of folks waiting to take part in this conversation. Let's start with Aaron and Jefferson Chalmers. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, I love public transit. When I lived in Chicago, I rode the L train and to a lesser extent the buses all day long. However, mm -hmm. like most Metro Detroiters who are financially and physically able, I drive most places not because I don't like transit, but because the existing public transit would it would take so long to get someplace. I could drive to Troy in 40 minutes or I could take two buses for mm -hmm. in an hour and 45 minutes, maybe 2 hours. Mm. I'm, I'm ready to vote for another transit proposal, but it has to be a bold vision, and I think that we should leave Macomb County out and include light, light rail to the airport in Ann Arbor. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think people get excited about buses, and there's not a whole lot you can do to get people excited about buses, no matter how good they are or how rapid they are. Mm. Uh, Aaron, I appreciate the call on the ideas. Uh, I, I would push back some on the idea of leaving Macomb out. I think uh, there's, there's so many people in Macomb County who need transit, who rely on it and don't have it. Uh, we, we, what we need to do is convince the majority of people in Macomb that it's worth supporting uh, public transit for those folks. Uh, I love the idea of light rail uh, to the airport, uh, but but I don't know that it should be done at the expense of buses. I mean, I think uh, you know buses are the primary way that 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 people who don't have cars, uh, the poor, uh, need to get around. Uh, Dave Gifford, react to what uh, Aaron's saying here. Um, I I know what you're saying with Macomb County because they almost voted out their their smart millage in 2018, right? And uh, that's going to be up for renewal in 2022 again. Um, Macomb County. Um, you know, 
Northern Macomb County has flipped a hard red uh, the last election and there's still a lot of holdouts. I was at my mom's house in Ray Township yesterday and saw tons of Trump flags still along the along the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people haven't given up. But as far as um, leaving Macomb County out, I would hesitate too because uh, Gratiot has one of the highest riderships of mm-hmm. all the smart routes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that still ride the bus and ride transit in Macomb County and that, that rely on it to get to work and get around. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about the uh, the millage and um, one of the things that, you know, to improve bus service in Detroit, they either have to increase the city budget, uh, which we we know is kind of tight right now because of COVID, mm-hmm. or we the, the current system, I don't believe is very equitable. Um, we The majority of, of bus ridership in Metro Detroit um, is, is African-American and the majority of car drivers that would be voting on this are white in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's fair that the only way that they can really make a difference in improving the bus service and the transit in Detroit is to rely on this four county millage that that is kind of biased against it already. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Aaron, appreciate the call and the ideas. Let's go to Kelly in Southwest Detroit. Kelly, what's on your mind? Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. I want to share my experience regarding transit. So I moved to Southeast Michigan from California. When I moved here, I didn't have a car. So I tried using transit to commute to work. Mm -hmm. I was taking the smart bus and I saw that the bus was scheduled to come once an hour. And on the real-time tracker, it was 30 minutes late. So I waited 45 minutes before it started getting dark. I gave up and I called a lift. But those are too expensive for regular commuting. What do people do if they can't call a lift and get billed out? But the other times, when I did manage to get on a bus, the service was professional. It was courteous. It worked. But the agencies, I think, need more buses. They need to run more routes. They need to run all the routes more frequently and more reliably mm. just to get, get the basics down right. Yeah. I think it's no coincidence that fast-growing cities like Austin, Texas, they're investing heavily in transit, not just rail, but also bus. They run more routes. They get them out of the way of traffic with their own lanes. Mm. Yeah. I hope we can do that too. Yeah, Kelly, uh, great great call and welcome to our community, first of all. But uh, but that experience with not being able to rely uh, on, on the buses is something you, you've heard in Detroit f- forever since I was a young man riding the bus uh, back and forth to school. Um, Dave Gifford, uh, react to what Kelly's uh, bringing to our attention here. Oh, certainly. Um, it, if they don't have enough drivers or people are sick, they have a hard time keeping up with uh, with the level of service. Um, one thing I've always thought, we have these wide roads that uh, we widen all these avenues in the 30s all throughout Detroit, and there's plenty of room to make bus-only lanes. If you look at old photos when the, those roads were packed at Gratiot and Jefferson and Woodward, you see that they were holding up the streetcars and the buses even back then. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that makes uh, makes buses late. And I think that we could certainly have um, bus-only lanes. Other cities across the country are, are doing this. Um, they, they paint the lane red, and it's just for the buses. And that keeps them moving on time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that uh, a lot of people have, of course, resisted here in uh, in southeast Michigan. Let's go to Adrian in Detroit. Adrian, good mo- welcome to good the show. Good morning. May I say I learned things and what a humbling show. Oh, thank I you. can only tell people, I, you know, I have a car, but I rode the bus during the pandemic to go and, you know, to pick my car up. But while I was on the bus, I happened to be very observant of the people that were on the bus. 
and they and it didn't occur to me that these people are riding this bus to stay warm, and it's their shelter. It's a mobile shelter for them. So how do we get people to pass um, so we can increase transportation costs? Shows just like yourself, mm. educate people. Mm. That's the only way you can get a good vote on things is to educate them, give them the information so that they can make an educational choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great insight there, Adrian. Um, Dave, we've got a question uh, on Twitter from Onita who asks whether you regularly ride DDOT or SMART. Um, it's a great question. Talk about sure. your own experience with public transit. Um, I'm what they refer to as a, a choice rider. I, I own a car because it takes me, if I was to ride the bus to work in Livonia from Warren, it would take an hour and a half and about three buses. Mm. And then about a mile walk and there's not a whole lot of sidewalks there along uh, Schoolcraft Road where I work, mm. um, kind of designed on purpose that way. And uh, so I, I ride on occasion by, by choice because I enjoy riding the bus. And when I visit places like uh, downtown Ferndale or downtown Detroit, um, I'll enjoy stepping off the bus and being right where I'm going rather than uh, than having to hunt for parking and pay $20, $40 for parking, whatever it is. So uh, I'm not a regular rider, but I do ride on occasion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, thanks for uh, the question there on Twitter. Okay, uh, Dave Gifford, I would love to continue this conversation all day, frankly, uh, and I think uh, the callers and social media would, would support a, a very lengthy conversation, and maybe we'll be able to keep that going uh, on Twitter and on Facebook, but we are out of time here on the air. But I really want to thank you for coming by and uh, and talking with our listeners about this important issue. Uh, Dave, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah. Okay. That is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow uh, when we talk about uh, more and more people receiving the vaccine. Uh, and we're going to have a conversation with writer and professor Devin Powers about sorting through feelings of pandemic nostalgia during this immense time of transformation. The things that happened over the last year that we might actually be pining for when they go away. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>